You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the third and final part of the Wisden Cricket Force podcast with Nat West from Grassroots to Joe Root, supporting cricket communities from the ground up. This week we're looking at some of the challenges faced by clubs all over the country by the COVID-19 pandemic and in particular how clubs have had to think creatively about the way they raise money and engage with their local community. TOF CC chairman Nigel Muirhead sums up the challenge and explains how his club will look to get around it. I think the challenge we face is as we finish the cricket season as we come into winter months um, how can we continue uh, to have a level of income um, because we're I'm sure like many other clubs uh, use our facility to let for birthday parties weddings whatever it might be and clearly that's going to be much more difficult for us so actually a bit more concerned now about the winter months uh, than maybe I was uh, at the start of the season with regards to the summer months particularly as we've been able to get some cricket in. Mm. Did you come up with any funky out there ideas at the moment for the winter months because that that does sound like a quite a big hurdle to to jump over yeah whether i describe them as funky as i'm not quite sure but um from our perspective we are looking at um you know what's the maximum number that we could have in the pavilion that is socially distanced and you know that might be 30 or 40 people no more but in doing that what are the things that we could do to promote the club um, to say, look, we're open. There's, there's going to be a lot of sports activities. You know, there's this Eight Nations Rugby. Um, there's the, um, the uh, Augusta. So there's a lot of sporting events where actually you could try and generate people to come down. We've got Sky Sports, um, which I think is one thing. We're then looking at some form of um, social activities where we might just have a quiz night, a bingo night, a curry night, where, again, we may only have 30 or 40 people but actually, it's a way of saying it's a safe environment and come and put some money over the bar. And also, um, if we were able to offer that to other sports clubs uh, as well who are in a similar situation that may want a facility that they can use um, rather than, you know, necessarily if they can't use their own facility for whatever reason that may be. So we are exploring all sorts of different avenues as to how we can generate a level of bar income in particular um, over the winter months. As I mentioned in the intro, some clubs have got very creative this summer. Dean Cornish from Uffington CC explains how they, as a small village club, raise money by making pizzas for their local pub on Sunday nights. Well, it was really difficult at the start of summer, especially. 
Um, I mean, obviously, we didn't know if any cricket was going to happen throughout the whole summer. So we didn't ask any club members to pay subs. You know, we, we didn't think it was fair to ask club members to pay their, their annual subscription on the, on the chance there wasn't going to be any cricket. And also we knew that, you know, club members were probably um, experiencing financial hardship. You know, it's a difficult time for, for everybody. So we made the, the decision as a club at the start of, well, it was probably start of March, just before we went into full lockdown, that we wouldn't ask people to pay subs this year. Um, and we'd try and raise funds some other way. Um, I mean, the other bleak point for us was that most of our fundraising over the summer got curtailed as well. Um, the biggest fundraiser for us every year was... We used to do a, a festival, a, a, we called it G-Fest, which was a festival where the club members ran the bar. Um, we're also heavily involved in the local village fete, which is called Scarecrows, um, where we ran the, the welly wanging and the barbecue. And between those two events, you know, we'd normally raise about seven or eight thousand um, pounds. But obviously, you know, they were curtailed. They were all cancelled. So, yeah, we had to start thinking about other ways to raise some money. And um, that's why that's how this came up. So, so how, how long into the uh, ideas process did it take for you guys to come up with making pizzas? Um, it was, I think it was probably mid-July or early July where the landlady at the local pub, um, the Bertie Arms in Uffington, Katie Jennifer, she's, she's involved in the club as well. Um, her husband and kids play. And she just said, actually, this could be a, a great idea. Why don't we make pizzas or why don't the players or friends of the club make pizzas on a Sunday night, which is the night when that pub doesn't do any food. Um, why don't you make pizzas? You can do the, you know, putting the toppings on the, on the pizzas all under the supervision of the chef a guy called Dan. Um, and then you guys do the deliveries as well. Um, and you can take all the profits. Um, and of course, you know, we jumped at it. It was, it was mainly instigated as well as um, obviously by Katie, by a lad Jack who, uh, who helps run the club. Um, and also my wife, Sophie, she got involved in doing all the bookings. So people would email her with the bookings of, of the slots of, of what they wanted and, and when they wanted deliveries. Um, and then we just got to it. Um, I think in the end, there were certainly over 20 club members involved um, across the different Sundays in August. And it went really well. You know, the pizzas were really nice. I, I had a pizza certainly every Sunday night. We charged £10 for a 10-inch pizza and then you could get chips as well. Um, or, you know, other sides. And it was really funny, actually, because all, all the pizzas were named after different club members. Like one was named after our umpire, one after our treasurer, or after different teams within the club setup as well. Um, so, you know, it, it involved everyone in the club and juniors got involved, junior parents got involved as well. It was, you know, it was a real, a real um, something across the whole club. Everyone got involved and, um, you know, if you weren't making pizzas, you were eating them. So it went really well. That sounds fantastic. Did, did it do the job on the financial side of things as well? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest night we had was making about 60 pizzas one of the Sunday nights. Wow. But across the whole of August, so it was just on Sunday nights, I think it was 267 pizzas were made. Um, and the profit overall was, I think, £1,650, um, which is really good. You know, and that'll go towards just running the club. Um, you know, we didn't want to just, you know, take a hit on, on our finances this year or just ask people to pay more subs next year or, or even, you know, do anything like crowdfunding. We, we wanted to do something to, to make money for the club. And, you know, that £1,600 will be, will be really useful. Um, and it's not the first time the club's done ingenious things to make money either. You know, we've, I mentioned about the festival that, we've, that we do every year. Um, when we were building a pavilion um, in 2014, 
there were about eight club members cycled um, between six test grounds in the country. Um, so it was 550 miles in five days to help raise towards 60 grand for the, for the pavilion. So, you know, we're not afraid of a bit of hard work to raise some funds. It sounds like you had, um, you know, you had quite strong links with, with the local area that kind of set the whole thing up in the first place. Would, would you say that uh, you guys put a lot of effort into trying keeping the relationships good with the local community and, and did this, you know, bring you closer to the community by spending more time with them in quite an obvious open way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we're a village cricket club. Um, and of course, not all players come from the village, but actually a lot do. You know, we're, we're, we play at a decent standard. We're in the Rutland League Division 1. But, you know, it's not like we have players coming in from, from miles around. Most players either live in the village or live certainly within a you know, five-mile radius, you know, in Stamford. Um, and people know us. People know that the cricket club do good events, whether it's quiz nights, whether it's the G-Fest festivals or, you know, organising barbecues, whatever it is. People like, you know, getting involved in the cricket club. And yeah, we, we feel part of the community. Um, you know, we don't want to be just be a group of um, a group of players who come in from outside, play in the village and then disappear off to their homes. You know, we want to be part of the, of the community. And that's, that to me is what it's all about, village cricket. You know, as well as obviously enjoying our sport, we want to be part of the village. And I, and I really think we are. Um, in terms of going forward, so a lot of, for a lot of clubs this winter, um, there's like a new financial challenge like with the uncertainties of what further lockdown restrictions might come in, etc. A lot of clubs rely quite heavily on events during the winter. Is that, is that something that you guys normally do? Well, I mean, to be honest, most of our fundraising is in the summer. You know, that's when most people from the cricket club are around. So to be honest, most of it's in the summer. Um, I mean, I do a sports quiz normally the Sunday before Christmas, um, which is, again, is at the local pub. But I mean, that's probably the only fundraising we do outside of the summer months. But the cricket club really gets going, you know, once we start our winter nets in probably mid-February, you know, and then Easter comes along. That's when we really start doing the fundraising and, um you know, whether, whether it's, I mentioned all the different things that we do, they all normally take place in the summer months. But, but actually, maybe this year, maybe things are different. Maybe we are going to need to raise some more money and maybe we will, we will need to do more over the winter. But apart from the sports quiz at Christmas, we, we haven't got anything planned yet, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have to do something. And finally, Welton Cricket Club were unable to put on their annual beer festival in August, normally one of the club's main fundraising events. Instead, a group of their players raised over £3,000 to go towards their new net fund by completing the Yorkshire Three Peak Challenge, the 25-mile hike over three Yorkshire peaks in full cricketing attire, whites, pads, gloves and, of course, the Welton baggy maroon cap. Johnny Cowing explains how they managed that. Yeah, sure. I mean, so we're we're a... We're a, a a decent sized cricket club we have we have three senior sides we have quite a big junior section um but other than than cricket um i mean we only really have the bar that, that brings in any any real money we have you know decent sponsorship um so obviously with a reduced playing season um the bar is open a lot less we raise a lot less money um so having you know only one main revenue stream being the bar uh, every year on um, August Bank Holiday, we host a like a, a big beer festival. So we have a six-a-side competition during the day uh, and a beer festival um, sort of in the afternoon and into the evening. Um, and yeah, because of COVID, that got cancelled. Um, I think last year we raised about £10,000. Um, and, and all the money that was, was meant to be raised this year was meant to go into um, development projects for the club. Um, the big one being um, improving the training facilities, um, and the hope is to, to buy a, a nice uh, new artificial uh, netting facility. 
Um, so yeah, there was ten thousand pounds we'd forecasted, we'd raise this year that would go straight into that, and that would be a that would be us pretty much at our fundraising target. Um, so yeah, we basically lost ten thousand pounds of that. So we decided to do something about it uh, and try and get to our fundraising target by by other means. So so how did you come up with the idea of doing the the, the peak challenge in in your cricket kit? Um, so. I guess like a, a few seasons ago, we, we half joked about when the idea of, of getting some new netting facilities and all these club projects came about, we knew we needed to raise some money. And, and I half joked about, let's just do some, some standard fundraising stuff, you know, half marathons, marathons and do it in, in cricket gear. And then it was like, oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of training. Um, it's quite a lot of effort. So it kind of went quiet for a few seasons. And then um, when lockdown came about this year and it was, it became apparent that, you know, holidays would be restricted and things like that it was more you know what can we do nearby have a few days off work and things like that so sort of separately within the club a few people um went and did the yorkshire three peaks because it's only a two-hour drive from from where we're based um and then i jokingly in in the pub was just like why don't we just do it in, in cricket pads um and i was strongly advised against doing it because i'd never done the three peaks before I was told it was, it's a it's a it's a tough challenge as it is, and doing it in, in cricket pads would be um, impossible. I think I think many people said. So I actually did the three peaks with it with a few friends early in the summer, and then once I'd done it without pads on, it was like yeah, let, let's just let's just go for it. Um, and then sort of two weeks out because we didn't actually know when the beer festival we didn't know if it could go ahead until only a few weeks beforehand, and I think it was about four weeks out we got told that that the police basic advisors don't do it. So from that four week period, I was like, now's the time to do it. Let's just do the three peaks. Let's do it in pads. Um, and I think in the end, we had a two week turnaround from deciding to do it to raising the money to actually do it. And we did it on the day the beer festival should have been, um, which was which quite fitting. How was the challenge in the end? Yeah, it, it was brutal. <laughs> um, so within the group, there were six of us that did it um so i'd uh i'd done it before and another lad had done um similar sort of hikes before so we were sort of prepared uh, sort of physically and mentally what it would demand i mean it's a 25 mile hike across you know three mountains it's it's a pretty tough old old challenge as it is um so i think you know we, we came in prepared um i think there was there were two other lads that were like yeah it's going to be tough we're, we're going to prepare and then there was there was two <laughs> there was two lads that were just like yeah, why not? Let's just do it. And I don't think it fully mentally prepared themselves um, for it. Both, you know, relatively fit lads. Um, but sort of when you do the the, the three peaks and, and the way we did it, you know, you're up the first mountain in, in under an hour, but it's, it's you know, it's, you're straight up the first hill and it's, it's pretty tough. And it was clear to see, yeah, one of the lads half an hour in was, was really struggling. Um, and, you know, he had another 11 hours ahead of him. Um, so I, I did think at one point very early on that all six of us wouldn't complete it. Um, but, but yeah, so it was, it was tough. I think mentally at the start, realizing that we're going to have to do the, the full thing, you know, dress like this, with very, you know, with very limited movement. But I think, yeah, towards the end, you know, we were, we were, we were fine. It was, it was more just our legs were just in bits um, because you sort of in cricket pads, like you kind of, you've obviously got restricted movement, but you kind of, you're not moving in a natural position. Your legs aren't quite, they're just quite, there's a little bit out of sync. And I think, you know, once you're sort of 20 miles in, your legs really start to burn a little bit. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was, 
physically it wasn't enjoyable, but getting to the end, um, there's a few lads from the, from the cricket club came down and met us at the, the last pub. Um, so we had our flag, like we had our, you know, our teammates clapping us in. It was, it was nice to finish it off and yeah, it was tough, but it was a, it was a really good day. That sounds very uh, rewarding, especially the finish. Um, but in yeah. terms of the fundraising side of it, it looked like you guys smashed your, your original target. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't know what the reception would be like. We didn't know if people would be would think that's just a stupid idea. I'm not going to donate to that. Um, or if people would really get behind it. And I think doing it on the day that we were meant to have our beer festival, you know, the, the beer festival is quite a big thing for like the local community. It's, you know, pe- even people not associated with the club would come down to the beer festival. So I think one pe- once people realized that, you know, this is a, a thing for the local community that couldn't go ahead. And the club at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a, you know, we're a community club like there's, you know, people from all walks of life, you know, come down and no matter how good you are at cricket, it's, it's like a community hub. So I think there was, you know, a certain amount of sympathy there. Um, but it was also like quite a practical thing to donate money to because a lot of people benefit from it. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, we didn't really know how much we raised. So I think initially I set the fundraising target at a thousand pounds and we, you know, we, we, we surpassed that within days. So we, we, yeah, we revised that to 2000 pounds and then it was just like, we'll see where we get to. And I think in the end it was, it was just shy of three and a half thousand pounds. So yeah, all being done, we'll be just shy of, of 4,000 pounds which is, you know, for essentially what was just six lads going through a lot of pain over a 12-hour period, it was well worth it. And I'd be more than happy to do it again if it meant we raise another £4,000. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a very quick turnaround. It was, like I said, it was, it was two weeks out. It was just see how much money we could raise and just, yeah, go through some pain for, for the local club. Then looking ahead to the winter, uh, fundraising uh, big events, are they a big part of your fundraising plan generally? Um, and, if, and if so, how affected... Uh, will will those be by the current lockdown restrictions, et cetera? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point. I think, I mean, a lot of sports clubs will be limited in how much money they can raise through their, their usual means, whether it be, you know, subs or, or bar takings or whatever it may be. Um, so what we did at our club is we, we knew how much the, the nets would be um, and we set a, a target for the nets. Uh, and we, we now have, we now have laid out, um, what projects we've got and, and what we need to, to keep on developing as a club, because it's one thing, especially with cricket to, to, to just stay afloat. So we're in a lucky position where a lot of our fundraising efforts are actually to go to, to growth projects. So things like new nets, um, a new, uh, a new scoreboard, looking at doing groundwork as well and things like that. So, so everything we're doing is not critical for the club, but it's more, it's important for our development. So we have a fundraising target and, and what we've said is, people in the club know how much we need and people are then, you know, it's, it's up to the to members of the club to come up with innovative ways of raising that money. Um, so for us, it was, it was, the, it was the three peaks. Um, so, so going forward, you know, we're aware that, you know, bar taking subs are going to be limited. So for us to, to get the facilities we want, we are going to have to do things like this. Um, but I mean, ultimately everything is up in the air with COVID. We could have a usual season next year and things are back to normal, or we could be severely restricted. So we just don't know. So yeah, it's up to fundraising to to make sure we get to the the, the funding targets that we need. And uh, finally, any any chance of you guys repeating the three peak challenge? Um, I probably won't be repeating that. Um, other members of the club are more than welcome to. Um, I, in terms of of doing sort of daft things to raise money for the club, I'm more than happy to to do something similar. Um, because I mean, yeah, the seeing you know how 
how well you know people in the local community got behind us this time uh and how much just seeing how much the club means to people um just like seeing the donations come through and and people you know being very generous um it was yeah it was really good to see so knowing that we got that kind of support and people want to see the club do well and everyone's sort of on the same page in terms of what we want to achieve as like a as a hub for the community um i think i'd be more motivated than ever to to do things like this in the future um and and there's there's plenty of ideas and i'm sure many people in the club would like to see the six of us in a lot of pain doing something similar again so yeah you never know so hopefully yeah we'll, we'll get something sorted this has been the third and final part of the wisdom cricket force podcast series with nat west telling the story of the recreational cricketing summer if you haven't already head to natwestcricket.com to check out the nat west club cricket finance guide it's full of great tips that you can use to help your club deal with the effects of the covid19 pandemic we'll be back soon with our next club cricket show Podcast Network.